An attempt to protect conservative and Christian radio is bottled up in Congress. We'll discuss what can be done. And public universities are supposed to promote freedom of ideas, but often not if you're a Christian. Also, should schools provide the pill to students, or is abstinence education a better way to go? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. Rudy Giuliani. I mean, think about it. Rudy Giuliani, there's, th- there's only three things he mentioned in a sentence, a noun and a verb and 9-11. I mean, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. Thank you for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. It's Friday, and we have a lot to talk about because I'm trying to cover everything that uh, we didn't get to cover during the week. I am Penna Dexter, sitting in the hot seat today, and you can call and weigh in during this segment. The number is 800-881-9270. That was Senator Joe Biden. He's running for president. Uh, he probably doesn't have a chance against some of the other candidates like Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and John Edwards, but sometimes he has some funny things to say, and it sort of brings up a point about Rudy Giuliani because he's running on national security. Is that the most important issue for you or are there other issues? You can weigh in on that at 800-881-9270. One of the other topics we're going to consider today is does a university have the right to violate a student's freedom of conscience? to violate their religious beliefs by requiring certain classroom assignments. Emily Booker at uh, Missouri State University, she uh, was in the School of Social Work there at that university, and that happened to her. And we're going to hear about her story and some other stories from attorney David French. He's with the Alliance Defense Fund, and he defends the rights of those students. Also, you've probably heard about the recent controversy generated in Portland, Maine, where the school board there voted to allow a middle school health center to provide students with contraceptives with the pill. Uh, This is 11 to 14-year-olds, and get this, their parents don't have to be told about it, at least not right now. Isn't abstinence education a better way to deal with teen sexuality? And what's the situation on this in the state of Texas? We're going to ask Kyleen Wright. She's with the Texans for Life Coalition a little bit later in the program. But also uh, we're going to talk about broadcast fairness. Very popular legislation uh, is being blocked right now in Congress. And uh, Representative Mike Pence of Indiana held a press conference yesterday about this. He says that last summer, Congress voted uh, to kill the misnamed Fairness Doctrine for one year. Now, the Fairness Doctrine 
really isn't fair. And what it does is force radio outlets to air all sides of an issue. It's really not needed right now. And here's Congressman Mike Pence. In June, uh, we saw 309 members of the House of Representatives vote for an amendment to ban the fairness doctrine for the next fiscal year. It was an extraordinary and bipartisan statement for broadcast freedom. But more must be done. And that more uh, is that the Broadcaster Freedom Act must be brought to the floor of the House of Representatives. The Broadcaster Freedom Act would simply ensure that no future president could regulate the airwaves of America without an act of Congress. Uh, But it has yet to be scheduled for a vote on the floor. This morning, along with the entire Republican leadership uh, of the House of Representatives and Congressman Greg Walden, I filed a discharge petition on the Broadcaster Freedom Act. The American people should know, if 218 members of Congress sign this petition, we can demand an up or down vote on legislation that would keep the fairness doctrine from ever coming back. I urge all my colleagues, but especially those who supported broadcast freedom earlier this year, to sign the discharge petition for H.R. 2905 and bring the Broadcaster Freedom Act to the floor of the Congress. If 218 members of Congress will sign this discharge petition, the Broadcaster Freedom Act will come to the floor and it will pass when freedom gets an up or down vote in the people's house freedom always wins we are taking your calls at 800-881-9270 you can weigh in on presidential candidates we always allow you to do that who are you supporting and why uh, mike huckabee is going to be in dallas he i think he's already here he'll be at preston wood on sunday jeb bush uh the uh, former governor of Florida and uh, brother of the president said uh, that he should be included, that Huckabee should be included among the GOP field's top-tier candidates, along with Giuliani and the others. What do you think about that? 800-881-9270. We're also talking about the Fairness Doctrine. Mike Pence of Indiana encouraging members of Congress to sign a discharge position for this bill, H.R. 2905. If you think the Fairness Doctrine is a bad thing and should be killed, uh, then get, maybe you could give your congressman, your representative in Congress, a call and ask them to sign the discharge pos- uh, petition for uh, this bill, H.R. 2905. Here is... Uh, the House Republican leader, he's the minority leader in the House, Representative John Boehner of Ohio, he weighed in. Today what we're saying uh, is that those who broadcast on radio and TV ought to be able to do their job uh, without interference from the federal government. Uh, if you go back to the 1940s and 50s, maybe there was some reason to have uh, the, the fairness doctrine. You know, you had three TV channels, maybe, uh, and you may have had a handful of radio stations. Uh, But today, people get their information from all different kinds of sources, Uh, whether it be the Internet, whether it be blogs, whether it be newsletters, emails, uh, 24-hour news networks, uh, the big networks are all still around, uh, radio stations of all sorts, uh, and there's a lot of competition. So if you don't like what you're hearing on the air, you can just change the dial, turn it off, uh, turn on your computer. There's a lot of options. Well, there are a lot of options, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on the Fairness Doctrine. We're always also taking your comments on the presidential race, and let's go now to Dallas and talk with Charles. Hi, Charles. Thanks for calling. Hi, Penna. First, I just want to thank you for your work on this show. You've been a great uh, uh, helper to us out here for many years. Well, uh, thank you. About, 
my comments about Governor Huckabee, and um, I'm sure several people received an email today uh, stating that actually, as far as being a true conservative, uh, he doesn't really fit the bill if you add in the, the uh, concerns about the taxes he raised in Arkansas and, and uh, the spending that he raised. And so there was quite a bit of concern about that. There was also concern about uh, his stance and his positions about uh, immigration. So those are two areas that true conservatives would have some concerns about. Well, that's true, and uh, we started that discussion last Friday here on the program, and we wanted to see uh, what people thought about that. Uh, There's been more reporting this week about the issue, some specifics that took place in Arkansas. And uh, so is or is not Mike Huckabee a true conservative, worthy of uh, Christian's support? That's a good question. Charles, have uh, have you made any kind of decision on it? I have not. I have to confess that at this point there is uh there's only one person that I could even come close to uh voting for and and uh Ron Paul would would be that person from a conservative viewpoint but uh but uh, there's just not anybody that I feel comfortable voting for at this point. Wow. Well, uh, that's a, a tough testimony there. Uh, I think Republicans have got to get not not for sure that you're a Republican, but I imagine that uh, you are not voting for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> that would be correct. But uh, you know that's the that's the quandary I think the party's in right now. It is. It's a big it's a big mess, and and uh, I think it's going to be a good challenge to this country. I think it's a good. Uh, I think the uh, uh, the immigration bill was a good statement that, given the right information, that the people of this country will stand up and and let their their true thoughts be known. Well, that's right. Thank you so much, Charles. And I think candidates like Mike Huckabee need to be able to explain their actions with regard to these ideas of raising taxes and uh, making life easy for uh, businesses to hire illegal immigrants. Those are a couple of the charges uh, people are talking about. And he does need to be asked the tough questions. Some of the answers he's giving are, well, now that I'm rising, they're out on the attack. But I think he needs to answer a little more specifically than that. Well, speaking of uh, people rising up, this is what Mike Pence, John Boehner, and other members of Congress want folks to do on the Fairness Doctrine. They want it killed. They want to do it preemptively. Here is Republican Whip Roy Blunt on that. In my view, nothing could be more unfair than requiring people to talk about things just because somebody else talked about something else. This is a phony doctrine. It's uh, badly titled. Uh, the Supreme Court said it doesn't make sense. The FCC said it doesn't make sense. Uh, it's time for the Congress to say not only does it not make sense, but no bureaucrat in the future can come in and decide to reimpose this. heard some of our colleagues a couple of weeks ago when the truly phony, phony soldier issue was raised about Rush Limbaugh that maybe uh, we needed to do something about what people were saying on the radio. You know, people that listen to the radio, people that turn on TV uh, can decide how to do something about that. Uh, and the problem here is that rather than get out there and engage in, in the fight for ideas, uh, there are a number of people who just like to say, uh, let's eliminate this discussion on the radio by ensuring uh, that a lot of things would have to be talked about that nobody wants to listen to. Yeah, and whether or not people really want to listen. I mean, Air America has just failed every time it's been tried. It's kind of the liberal talk radio side of the agenda. You know, it's called freedom of speech, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, people that own radio stations, the public owns the airwaves, but people own radio stations, and with the proliferation of media outlets, 
I think uh, they ought to be free to put on whatever viewpoints they would like to put on. Uh, All the leadership was here at this press conference on the Republican side. This is Republican Conference Chairman Adam Putnam. The fairness doctrine has nothing to do with fairness or with free speech and everything to do with the Democrats losing the battle of ideas on the radio, both regionally and nationally. With a big splash, liberals tried to make headway of their own using this particular medium with Air America, and it went bankrupt after two years on the air. So now the Democrats are going to open the airwaves to their, air, to their allies, whether they have earned it or not. Will they get listeners? That's the big question. And uh, that's the uh, really the decision that broadcasters make when they air certain programming. It seems like conservative radio is much more popular uh, on television. It's it's a little different, but uh, the conservatives have really found their niche in talk radio. Seems like liberals kind of want to squelch it. Well, Congressman Greg Weldon, uh, also a broadcaster and station owner, also weighed in on this issue. For those who say there's no threat to broadcasters at this time, then I say they should have no problem in helping us bring this measure to the floor for a vote. If they resist, then one has to ask, why? Are they hoping to keep their option open for a different day with a different president and a different FCC? The time to protect vigorous, free political speech is now. And again, the bill is H.R. 2905. It's really preemptive action to keep the Fairness Doctrine from being brought back by a future FCC. The current FCC would not bring it back. Uh, but who knows what's going to happen in, under the next administration. Republican study chairman and also North Texas Congressman Jeb Hensarling talked about what uh, certain senior Democrats in Congress are trying to do. They are willing to trample on our First Amendment rights in order to try to shut down conservative talk radio. Uh, And that's what this is all about. And, uh, you know, this would be particularly hurtful to Christian radio stations. For instance, the KCBI would have to air a balance of views. You couldn't just have the Christian worldview on Jerry Johnson Live. Uh, And you'd have to balance out the wonderful preaching that takes place all day on the Chriswell radio stations uh, with something that was perhaps atheist or from uh, maybe the religion of Islam. Do we want that? I don't think so. That's why Congress is trying to work on this right now, and they need to be encouraged to do so. Well, coming up next, we're going to air my interview that was done a couple of weeks ago at the Values Voters Summit with David French. He is an attorney with the Alliance Defense Fund's Center for Academic Freedom. He's going to talk about some of the things students are asked to do in their classes at state university, like lobbying for liberal causes, advocating the homosexual agenda. We're going to talk about that right after this. November 14th, the Criswell Radio Network's Town Hall Series is back. The Battle for the Truth, Beware the False Prophets, a town hall meeting to focus our gaze back on Christ and the truth of God's Word. But everybody likes to make fun of Christianity. Everybody likes to make fun of Jesus. Special guest panelists include Dr. Robert Jeffress, pastor of First Baptist Church, Dallas, Jack Graham, pastor Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Barry Cameron, pastor of Crossroads Christian Church, Grand Prairie. So when they tell you I'm out there, they tell you I'm making an appearance, he said, don't you believe him? The Battle for Truth. Hosted by Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of the Criswell College in Dallas. This is Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College in Dallas. I'll be your moderator for this important live discussion. Wednesday, November 14th, 7 p.m. And live from Crossroads Christian Church. The Truth. Fight for it with us. 
only here on the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Slowly but surely, the people of Iraq are reclaiming a normal society. President Bush saying what others are saying, more evidence that the surge is working. Uh, He is speaking. He was speaking today at basic training graduation at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. President Bush said there are clear signs of success in Iraq four months after his military surge strategy kicked in. The number of IED attacks per week has declined by half. U.S. military deaths have fallen to their lowest level in 19 months. Iraqi forces have now assumed responsibility for security in eight of Iraq's 18 provinces. Speaking of the Iraq war, our next guest, uh, I pre-interviewed him. I actually interviewed him at the Values Voters Summit. He's uh, heading to Iraq right now. Uh, David French will be serving over in Iraq in the Iraq war, and it's great sacrifice. Uh, He heads up the Center for Academic Freedom and Alliance Defense Fund. He's also a husband and father, but he was compelled to volunteer to serve. And in yesterday's interview about the intersection of Christ and culture, it was brought up uh, the fact that Christian students face a hostile atmosphere on the public university campus. Ain't that the truth? And I discussed it with David French at the Values Voters Summit. With me is David French with the Alliance Defense Fund. He heads up the Center for Academic Freedom there. And uh, most of us know how liberal the elites are in the universities. David's job is to fight that. David, tell us about it. Well, you know, there's no more liberal place in America than our colleges and universities. And I don't even like to use the term liberal, leftist, radical, secular leftist. And the plight of Christian college students is is uh, one of the great underreported scandals in our country right now. We have a situation where 70% of colleges and universities have policies on their books that restrict the speech of students. We have uh, more than 60 universities in recent years have tried to expel Christian student groups from campus. Recent surveys have shown that Christian professors are among the least likely to be promoted or receive tenure, even controlling for their educational background and their publications. I could go on and on and on, but the fact of the matter is that the civil rights of Christian students are being violated every day on campuses across our country. And ADF saw that problem and formed the Center, of Academic, Center for Academic Freedom to, to correct it. How hard is it? I mean, in many cases, when students' rights are violated, their free speech rights, um, it doesn't always take a lawsuit, does it? Can you just kind of go in and educate the folks there? You know, it depends. These universities are some of the largest and most well-funded organizations in this country. And For example, Harvard's endowment is over $20 billion. That's more than the gross national product of many countries. And so these universities have almost infinite resources to fight. Sometimes they will do the right thing and back away without litigation. They will, especially if there's bad publicity. They don't like bad publicity. But many times they will dig in their heels and they will fight very hard because for them it's ideological and it's personal. And they're trying to advance a particular agenda, something that they believe to be true, and they believe that Christians are evil, that they're intolerant, that they're bigoted. Uh, that literally if they allow certain kinds of expression, it's like allowing a battalion of Klansmen to gallop across across the quad. And so they are very, very, very committed to their ideas. And 
So that means that many of our cases will say that will take a, a, an enormous amount of effort and resources to fight to a conclusion. One of the cases whose story has been uh, told lately, and as a matter of fact, uh, the gal involved is here at the Values Voters Summit, uh, Summit is the Emily Booker case. And this, you know, you mentioned Harvard. This school that she attended, or may still attend, is not in liberal Northeast, right in the middle of the heartland of America. Can you tell us uh, the story of Emily Booker? Oh, absolutely. Emily uh, attended Missouri State University in Springfield, Missouri, I mean, which is in a very conservative part of a pretty conservative state, she was required by her social work professor to write a letter to the legislature in support of same-sex adoption. Uh, And she, first off, that's unbelievably unconstitutional. Uh, It's far worse than censoring somebody, telling them that that they can't speak. This is saying that they have to speak for something they disagree with. In other words, they have to weigh in on the side of something that they find morally offensive. The President of the United States cannot even order you to do that. I I don't know what a university professor was thinking to think that they could order it. She refused, and then she was brought up on charges. Among the charges was an insufficient commitment to diversity on campus. Just astonishing stuff. Subjected to a a two-and-a-half-hour hearing where they grill her about her religious faith and then said, convicted her of the offense and then said to graduate, she's going to have to lessen the gap between her religious beliefs and the beliefs of the department, which is essentially saying you can't graduate unless you change your religious beliefs. Astonishing. We filed suit in that case, and the university, after the lawsuit, did the right thing. They promptly investigated. They uh, found out that our claims were true. They took, put the professor on administrative leave right away, and they uh, settled the case promptly on, on excellent terms for Emily. So it was a fantastic outcome. And at the same time, there were about 600 news articles on this case in the area in about a 30-day span. And so public, public pressure can pay off. If you have an administration like at Missouri State that was responsible, the president did want to do the right thing once he learned what the facts were, you can create real change. And the sad thing is there's other cases every bit as egregious as Emily's where the university has been fighting tooth and nail to continue to be able to censor, to continue to be able to uh, force people to mouth and say things that they don't believe. David, I know you have lots of cases across the country, but there are lots of students who, unlike Emily, don't either don't know that they could get help from an organization. They're worried that you know they'd get embroiled in a lawsuit that would cost their family money. Uh, they're afraid to stand up for various reasons. They don't want to affect their grades and you know their future. So, what do you say to those kids who are who are experiencing this same kind of persecution? You know, if you ever are told that you can't share the gospel, or if you are ever told that you can't say something, and you see other students on campus that seem to have more freedom than you, contact ADF. Tell ADF.org or centerforacademicfreedom.org. We will get back to you very quickly and can tell you very quickly whether your rights have been violated. There's almost 14 million college students out there, and the number of them that know their actual constitutional rights is very, very small. And even with that very small number, we have an awful lot of cases. If there was more information out there, if there was more, more was known about the uh, students' constitutional rights, the universities would have to face a flood of challenges and would begin to change their behavior, I think.
And that's really the goal. Listen, David, are there any schools or anything uh, currently going on in Texas or southern Oklahoma where our listening uh, audience is? Well, you know, you should know that the University of Texas actually teaches its students that there's nothing wrong biblically with a homosexual behavior. In fact, on the state dollar, the University of Texas shares testimonials from former Christians who have um, in, uh, engaged in sexual, homosexual behavior, even to the point of saying that, well, that they, they fought it forever and then discovered that God was a God of love. And this is on your state, state dollar. Now, think about how uh, the ACLU gets upset when somebody puts the Ten Commandments on a wall or puts a nativity scene in a, in a town square. This is so far beyond that as far as a, a, a true establishment of religion, the state teaching one particular point of view, and it's your own state university, the University of Texas at Austin. Austin, you know, and This is uh, not unusual. We're challenging a very similar policy at Georgia Tech where students are actually taught that if you believe homosexual sexual behavior is sinful, that's similar to teaching that the Bible justifies slavery. Unbelievable. Okay, David, uh, I want to ask you also about your personal life because I've heard recently that uh, you are actually going to be taking a leave from the Center for Academic Freedom. The work will go on, uh, but there's a very good reason for that. Tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and In just a few days, I'm going to be mobilized. I expect, barring some unforeseen change in plans, I'm going to be mobilized and uh, be heading to Iraq. I'm a captain in the U.S. Army Reserve. And I'm going to be leaving behind the civilian life for a while and uh, heading to Iraq. Uh, and, but you're absolutely right. The Center for Academic Freedom is going to continue to roll forward. We have many attorneys who work there who are absolute experts in the field. And, and uh, I hope to be able to keep in touch with them by email on occasion. But it's going to be uh, quite a year for me coming up. Well, I know you've laid the groundwork for this, and I'm, you know, I know so many of the attorneys from the Alliance Defense Fund, and I'm sure you're leaving everything in capable hands with a well-organized operation there. But I want to thank you for the great sacrifice that you're making, uh, because I know, I mean, it's not just, you know, you. You're not a single guy. You've got a family, and uh, you are serving your country, and we really appreciate uh, your service in both. Uh, the uh, legal and cultural arena and also in the military arena. Thank you, David. Thank you so much. Well, the university campus is supposed to be a place for the free exercise uh, exercise of ideas, so uh, I guess they're sharing some of those ideas down there at uh, UT Austin. Really no big shock that they're touting uh, the homosexual lifestyle there and uh, saying that uh, there's really nothing wrong with it. The Bible is clear, though. That is the sin to practice such behavior. As a matter of fact, uh, it's sinful to practice uh, sexual activity outside of marriage. We're going to be talking about that a little bit in the next segment. But I'm so glad there are groups like the Alliance Defense Fund around to help people whose religious freedom, whose freedom of speech is being violated in so many ways. This particular part of ADF, of course, helps the college students, and it's wonderful to see these students who have been able to garner this help uh, to stand up for their right to speak and uh, for their right not to have to be forced to advocate for a particular position. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next up uh, we will talk about uh, sex education, What's going on in uh, some of these middle schools across the country where uh, they're actually bringing the kids in and talking to them about contraception, maybe even passing out the pill. Uh, Kyleen Wright from Texas for Life Coalition is going to join us. 
Is it better to do that, or is it better to teach abstinence, uh, that abstinence is really what works to prevent pregnancy and uh, sexually transmitted diseases? We'll take your calls on that, 800-881-9270, as we talk with Kylene Wright next on Jerry Johnson Live. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's Penna Dexter. Had an interesting tidbit uh, on the KaiserNetwork.org, and uh, the Politico kind of brought this up, website, a little bit of news on members of Congress. has to do with Senator Arlen Specter. Now, Senator Specter is a very powerful Republican, sort of a rhino, a lot of people call him, Republican in name only, but he's pro-abortion. He's from Pennsylvania, and uh, he's doing some earmarking. We've talked about that before, where you divert, uh, you get some money appropriated for your state, specific projects there. He got Congress uh, to funnel more than $8 million to Pennsylvania for abstinence education. I guess that's because he thinks it works. Well, the question we're asking you is, does it? Uh, Is it a good idea to teach strictly abstinence education in our schools, or are condoms and the pill better, or do you sort of combine it all? We're going to take your calls. As a matter of fact, you can start calling now. The number is 800-881-9270. With us to discuss this is Kylene Wright. She is president of the Texans for Life Coalition. And Kylene, the first question I want to ask you is, what is the status of sex education in Texas? Is abstinence the law of the land here? It is with loopholes. <laughs> All right. Tell us about it and kind of how that came about. Okay. Um, well, we had a law passed in um, 95, went into effect in 1996, and abstinence, if human sexuality is taught, abstinence has to be taught as the preferred behavior for unmarried students. And um, they have to, if they teach anything else, they have to spend more time on abstinence than anything else and um, they're not supposed to do condom demonstrations and some things, but they can teach um, condoms and contraception, and many of the school districts do. And, in fact, many of the programs that come into the schools are not even based on what they call a heteronormative basis. Oh, so we're having homosexuality assumed in some of these curricula. Yes. Hmm, interesting. Okay, now this um, this is sort of outlined in an article, a op-ed, I guess, that you wrote for the Dallas Morning News. It's on the website, uh, www.textlife.org, so people can see this. I think it's interesting because um, I was under the impression that we had a stronger abstinence law than that, but really it's up to the local school board? Well, we're supposed to have health advisory committees. The law provided for that. And the committee is supposed to be made up of both faculty and community representatives. Over over half have to be uh, uh, non-faculty. They okay. can't work for the district. They have to have um, kids in the district. But a lot of schools don't even have their committees meet. It's it's very there's a lot of disparity in the enforcement of that. They're supposed to make recommendations to the school boards, and then those elected officials are supposed to decide. It just doesn't always work out that way. Well, there have been lots of studies out there. Uh, some studies showing that parents prefer abstinence to be taught. Um, there's a new study out uh, as a poll 
that was reported on AP, uh, I think it was today or yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, people, it says people decisively favor letting their public schools provide birth control to students, but they also voice misgivings that divide them along uh, generational lines and income and racial lines. And, of course, this came from this story out of Portland, Maine, where a middle school health center uh, is has been voted to be able to allow students with full, uh, to provide them with full contraceptive services in their health center. This is 6th through 8th graders starting at 11 years old, and they don't have to tell their parents, although they may be changing that part of it. But what do you make of this study? This seems well, a little strange to me. Well, please don't call it a study. It is just a poll, and the 63% of the people polled were not even parents. Okay. <laughs> that makes so that's a big an difference. important distinction. I think when you don't parent children, you forget where children are at 10 and 11 and 12. And things that sound uh, sensible to you when you're not parenting uh, can be quite different when you're in the driver's seat there. And probably um, uh, a greater number of those people, if they weren't parents, it's, it's um could be assumed that a lot of those people weren't even married, so maybe they have different mores than a lot of us to begin with. Something happens when your little girls are born. Uh, uh, just Yeah, when you're in the driver's seat and all of a sudden you have to give account for someone else's life, you look at the whole world very differently. Ladies and gentlemen, give us a call. What do you think about this? If you were asked the question about, if you were maybe received a call about this poll, what would you say? Would you favor pure abstinence education, a combination of abstinence and contraception, uh, full uh, contraception education, leaving out abstinence? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? 800-881-9270. Or if you have a question for Kyleen Wright, uh, Texans for Life Coalition. Let's go to Jack in Dallas. Jack, thanks for calling. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I think uh, when we're addressing the school system and what they're and so forth and so on. Um, I, you know, to me, uh, I don't like the uh, the socialized uh, schools that we have. We're talking about socialized medicine and everything. We've uh, oftentimes taken for granted the system of schooling and education, and I think that's why the uh, school systems, it's kind of like if you put the, the buggy before the horse and then you're looking at the bridle and wondering how you're going to adjust the bit. Um, I think really. So we've let things go too far. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think we really need to readdress how education happens in this country, and put um, get the, the the whole socialized, you know, uh, uh, education system out of there and make it competitive. Mm-hmm. Well, it is kind of a socialist system, and uh, you know, if you really know the underneath underpinnings of it, uh, there's a big move toward making it uh, sort of a training for workforce type system more than a real educational system. So, to call it yeah. socialist is probably uh, pretty much right on, well, Jack. You know, yeah, because you know, it's not just kind of socialist because actually everybody that's a property holder has to pay in towards the system or else they right. take their land and sell it. Okay, well, let's and let's they, get back to the whole idea of sex ed, though. And, and Kyleen, what I want to ask you about this is, you know, it's been a sort of a given that we would do sex education in schools for a couple of decades at least. And where's it gotten us? Well, it's, it, it got us in terrible trouble until the 90s when finally uh, school nurses and a lot of community volunteers were just shocked to their senses by the numbers and began 
a return to abstinence until marriage education. And then we saw the numbers coming down. And in fact, um, from 1980 to 1990, all the bad stats doubled, pregnancies, births, abortions, STDs. Then from the 90s forward, they have gone down every year, and we are at 60-year lows. That's six zero. And uh, the irresponsible, dangerous thing is to throw uh, contraception at a demographic that has the highest failure rate. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what they're talking about doing. And unfortunately, when you bring these clinics into the schools, Penn, and as you know, probably they're bringing one into the Marlin School District in, in Central Texas. But when you do that, we, um, we have limitations about parental consent that come down for the Supreme Court. So parents, maybe just because of constitutionality or court interpretation, cannot always be involved. Not only that, but a lot of the grant money that comes through our states has that written into it, that there is no um, parental notice or consent for birth control for minors. They are, that is, they are considered to have that access as a privacy right. Uh, your thoughts on that, 800-881-9270. Let's go to Little Elm and talk to Anissa. Anissa, thank you so much for calling. Yes, I, I was calling on the, I wanted to make a comment. Last year, my son was in, he was in fifth grade, and he was, I was called at work. They said they wanted to just, there was a group that come to the school, and they wanted to show him a movie just about how he's changing, how he'll need to wear deodorant, things like that. That's what they told you. There's, there's nothing sexual about this movie that he'll be watching. And she's like, no, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, he's growing up. So I said, well, I didn't find a consent form or anything, and I do not want him to basically have sex education. I, I don't appreciate that because I've always grown up in the church. We, we talk to them at home, and whatever he needs to know, he's got a family that will support him. So Good for you. He, the nurse let him watch the movie anyway, and they went into great. He said, he, well, I noticed that he withdrew, and six weeks later, like going into the summertime, I was talking to friends of his, his par- friends' parents, and they were telling me about the sex education video that they watched and how it had gone into great extent and detail, and it had mentioned stuff that was totally what we would consider, you know, being growing up in the church wrong. And he couldn't even talk to me anymore. And I, I honestly feel that if the school's paying money for they're, they're spending so much time, oh, my gosh, these kids, they're, they're going to be, they're going to misbehave and everything. And they spend more time focusing and spending the money on improving them and improving who they are on the inside, we wouldn't have so much problem. And I know that for a fact because I was a teen mom, and I made the wrong decision. And I don't know how many times I've talked to people that were around that age when I made the wrong decision, and I support them and help them, and they're like, you know what? Thank you so much for giving me time. Most people just say, oh, well, just use this and use that, and you'll be okay. And I said, but then you give up all your dreams in the future. Anissa, I'm glad you're out there speaking from your experience and helping others. I'm sorry this happened to your son because your rights were really violated. This was misrepresented to you. And my recommendation, and we're going to hold Kyleen over into the next segment to talk about this, but my recommendation there would be when presented with these uh, programs that go beyond reading, writing, arithmetic, 
try your best to go and see what it is that's being presented, to look at the curriculum, if there's some sort of a movie, view it. I know it takes extra effort, uh, but it's really the only way you're going to find out what the content really is, and you do have the right to do that. Well, stay with us. Continue to uh, call in to weigh in on this. Uh, You can uh, ask your questions of Kyleen Wright. She's the expert, 800-881-9270. Stay tuned for more of Jerry Johnson Live. Fourteenth, the battle for the truth. It is our responsibility as pastors to speak out on issues, biblical issues, uh, show our people what the Bible says, give them the tools they need to make wise decisions. And I certainly believe it is a pastor's job to warn his people against doctrinal error that would lead them away from the truth. Dr. Robert Jeffress. I think it's very important, especially for pastors as well as Christians, almost to adopt a new intolerance toward false teaching. The Apostle Paul was the most intolerant person that ever lived when it came to the basics of the gospel. He said, if anyone preaches another gospel, let that person be accursed. And so I'm hoping uh, that Christians, as a result of this town hall meeting, will have a new courage to stand up for the truth. The truth. Fight for it with us. Only here on the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's Penna Dexter. Senator Clinton. Senator Clinton. Senator Clinton. Senator Clinton. Senator Clinton. Senator Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Senator 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 Clinton. Hillary. 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 Hillary Clinton. Hillary is the first lady, and now Senator Clinton. I seem to be the topic of great conversation and consternation, and that's for a reason. Poor Hillary, all the guys piled on her in a debate uh, the other night, and it was a presidential candidate debate. I wonder what Hillary Clinton thinks about abstinence education. Here's what President Bush campaigned on in 2000. He said that abstinence education was woefully underfunded. He said as president, he'd spend as much on abstinence as on teen family uh, planning. The country has made tremendous progress toward reaching that goal. And uh, speaking of polls, because we mentioned one recent poll, but last May there was a Zogby poll, and it showed that an overwhelming majority, 83% of parents wanted abstinence taught to their children by a three-to-one margin. Parents said they wanted more funding given to abstinence education than to comprehensive sex ed. And two out of three parents said that the wait-to-have-sex message gets lost when contraception is demonstrated and encouraged. We are talking about that with Kyleen Wright. She is president of a Texans for Life coalition, and uh, she's got an op-ed that she wrote for the Dallas Morning News up on her website, www.textlife.org. And uh, Kyleen, what do you think about Hillary? Do you think she'd be a, sort of like a different story from uh, President Bush's position on abstinence? Well, I do. Um, we certainly didn't have um, abstinence funding um and uh, where we needed to be under the Clinton administration. And actually, abortion advocates typically characterize abstinence education as dangerous, irresponsible, and reckless. And um, actually, in these 
what they so-called abstinence plus, which we call abstinence plus sex programs, or comprehensive sex programs, abstinence typically gets 4.7% of the time. And so you can see why it gets lost. Mm-hmm. It gets lost. It's getting more money, but it's still getting lost. Well, we're taking your calls, 800-881-9270. Let's go to George in Wiley. George, thanks for calling. Thank you for taking my call. And um, I guess in hearing this, I was brought up in the 80s where where uh, abstinence was taught more so than the actual birth control or condoms. So my question is, are these schools that are adhering to the contraception-type education teaching these kids or educating them on the consequences of their decisions if they have sex. Kyleen? Well, the, the big problem, the, what, the message that gets lost is that teens tend to not be very responsible. They tend to not make their bed with regularity. It can be difficult to get them to brush their teeth with regularity. Um, and so to try to get a teenager to take a pill every time or to stop and use some other method right before in the heat of passion, so to speak, is is quite difficult. And so um, they don't, in an abstinence plus or comprehensive sex ed program, they do not typically spend a lot of time on the consequences. And um, they do not tell these people that in all likelihood, that, it, that for instance, a failure rate for uh, a condom usage for teens is, is around 50%. And so they're not telling them things like that. No, absolutely not. Is that failure rate due to not using it, mostly? Uh, well, there are 17 steps to using a condom correctly. Oh, my goodness. Most adults don't use them correctly. And if you recall back before the AIDS scare, a lot of people walked around with condom babies. Um, it's never been the most reliable method of birth control. And most teens, if they use another method of birth control, aren't using a condom. And then you have the fact that so many of these contraceptives actually increase a girl's chance of getting an STD. Mm-hmm. But there has never, ever been an, a condom or contraception-based program that has decreased the birth or pregnancy rates of teens. Very interesting. Let's go now to Scott in Dallas. Scott, thank you for calling. You're on with Kylene Wright. Okay, thank you. Hi. Scott, are you there? Yes. Go ahead. Oh, I guess I'm on delayed listening. Um, yes, you I need to, to turn down your radio. Can you hear it? I can hear it, and it's causing you uh, to. I'm sorry, it's online. Get, have problems, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, is this better? I'm in a position to um, be able to. I'd like to know how to go about taking advantage of one of these grants or something else to start a program on abstinence in the area where I live. What's the best way to to do that? Any advice, Kylene? Well, I would go to the Department of Health and Human Services website and look up some of the grants. Some of the grants come through state programs, and it might be helpful to even be uh, start out being on a grant, re- being a grant reviewer. They're always looking for grant reviewers, and that would give you a lot of insight into the process. But um, it's more difficult than people think, and there are also seminars, free and paid seminars that um, that give you instruction. But what we've typically seen, we don't use uh, federal or state grant money, and the organizations that we've seen that do very often have income for a short period of time at unsustainable levels, and so they tend to go out of business as mm-hmm. soon as the grant money goes away. Okay, great. Let's take another quick call. Helen is in Alvarado. Helen, thanks for calling. Hi. I was just 
uh, is listening. And, you know, as a, as a parent, I would much rather have my kids just be taught that not doing it at all, being absent, you know, is the best. And if there's anything else and any questions of their parent, I believe that's my responsibility to teach them. And by doing so, then I'll know, you know, I want to teach them biblically. And right. I know that they're not going to do that in the, in the school. And even the abstinence programs, Kyleen, can't inject Christianity, can they? No, they can't. And it is the parents' primary role. And um, they do need to be asking. And I did neglect to mention that they are supposed to notify you. Now, you may or may not ever receive the notice, but you always have the right to opt out. And actually, Anissa could probably file a complaint with the faculty and maybe the TEA at her yeah. school. She probably should do that. Mm-hmm. All right, Helen, I know you want to teach it at home. Uh, if they haven't notified you, you need to find out what's being taught. You can opt your child out if you don't want them in those programs. Plenty of parents do it, and uh, you can do that. That would be a bold way, I think, of raising your children. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, well, my, I like my kids are grown. I'm pretty much oh, okay. on my, with my grandchildren, but... You know, I was just listening. Well, yeah, great. That was a good question. i got to let you go because we're coming up on the end of the program, but I really appreciate your weighing in. And, Kyleen, thank you so much for the work you do and for being with me today. Thank you, Penna. Well, always ladies, a pleasure. well, it's always a pleasure to have you, and uh, she does great work uh, here in Texas. And again, uh, that's Kyleen Wright with the Texans for Life Coalition. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, Helen mentioned the Christian view of sex, and uh, I think that's important to kind of end on because the Bible says in First Corinthians chapter six, uh, really, it's saying flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. It goes on to say that we need to glorify God in our body, in our spirit, which are God's. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.